Welcome to the Totally Transformed Podcast. My name is Julie Borden, and I am excited to be your host today. I am sitting in our studio with my mother in love, Dr. Connie Borden. How are you today? So great to be with you as always. Great to be here again with you today. I'm yeah. excited to get yeah. to be back here again today. I can't believe y'all let me come back oh, here again come today. On. You did such a great <laughs> job on the content of what we're talking about. And uh, it just was so great in interacting. And um, I know that it ministered to a lot of people. So we're well, blessed. We're blessed to have you. Here. We hope so. That's yeah. our heart. That's what I was Amen. praying today that this message would reach whether it's one person or a billion people, yeah. whatever and the Lord wants it to do, let it do. And let you've had be. a busy day. This yes. hasn't been a day without events. Uh, yes. Boom, boom, boom. So at any rate, God is good to continue to strengthen you and make it work out. But it's been a little dicey, right? Right. <laughs> Just a little it's bit. Been, yes, we've had our niece and nephew over. So we've had a house full of five kids for right. five days. Right. And then got to have a brunch with moms from Coram Deo Academy. A little shout out there to first grade, Mrs. Wilson's class, All my right. daughter's class. Moms came over. We got to have a fun time with moms today. Yeah. At Where our is house. Coram Deo? Talk about that a little bit. Well, Coram yeah. Deo is um, the location we go to is in Plano. They have yeah. three locations, Flower Mound, Dallas, and Plano. And it is a university model. So yeah. fantastic model. You get both experiences in this world. You get the being in school twice a week and then being at home. So we do a little bit of homeschool. It is with, it's, it's a Christian school. Um, they are preaching and teaching the word. Our kids are memorizing the word every day. Uh, it's part of their assignment, which we love and, um, just incredible academics as well. So we are just really blessed to have found this school. We're so thankful for the school and we've, we've been having a lot of fun. And you'd highly recommend it, right? For those highly that recommend out it. there that are looking for a Christian school for their children to educate. Well, I was so excited when you explained it to dad and I, because I mean, what a cool thing that you can be totally involved as Ainsley's parents and your other kids that may go, but also that you have the benefit of the teacher um, planning the curriculum, planning the homework, doing the grading, doing the testing for the state and things like that. And so like it just that that wasn't offered when we homeschooled Lance, we homeschooled him full time. And so that is really such a neat model that has come it forward. Is. And listen, yeah. I used to be a school teacher. Oh, yeah. And I didn't like the pl- lesson planning. Yeah. If I could find a teacher who would lesson plan for me, right. that would be the best thing as right. a teacher. Yeah. And I get to do that. Right. Right. So I get to do the fun part of teaching and executing the assignments. But Ainsley's teacher is actually developing the lesson plans and right. just passing those along to me and the other moms in the class. So I feel like I get the best of both worlds. Anyone who might say right now, well, I couldn't homeschool. Right. That's a lie. Yeah. You can absolutely do it. Yeah. I've had tough days. Yeah. Of <laughs> Some of those days where you think, I'm not sure I want to keep doing I this. I think I could just take my child to school, drop him off and be done. Yeah, right? Five yeah, days yeah. a week school. There um, you go. Some days I might be Googling yeah. some of those schools, but yeah. no, it's it, in the end, it is absolutely worth it and creating such special memories too. Absolutely. With our kiddos, Listen, so. there is something, you know, I want to write a book. One of the tenets of parenting, it's not what you do for your children, which is so important. Uh, that's important. They have to eat. They have to have a roof over their head and so forth, but it's what you really do with them spending quality time that will establish such a bond and a relationship that you will never, never regret it. And like you said, you as the parent responsible for the child's education, really, you're delegating it to the people that instruct your children. Um, but I agree with you. I think any parent that really wants to do it, particularly with a support system in Texas, because there's groups, there's parent groups, they get together, they support you and that kind of thing. And Anybody could do it, especially if you feel like your child is being compromised 
by the public school system because it's really important when the home, church, and school agree. This threefold cord is supposed to be the foundation of quality building in any child's life. And when they agree around the things of the Lord, oh my gosh. Absolutely. What a great strength that is. Well, that helps them become fruitful. Absolutely. And speaking of fruitful, yeah. that's what we're going to talk about Absolutely. today. If you were with us last week, you heard a part one to a series that we are doing. The series is three tests that we are looking at that as believers in Jesus Christ, we're going to face. So we're going to face three tests. Yeah. But if we overcome these three tests... We're going to be fruitful. We're going to be fruit bearers, 30, 60, 100 fold. Right. So last week we dove into sin. Yes. This week we're actually going to stay there. Yes. We feel it's important to to dig and dive a little bit deeper into right. sin. Right. And so if you were with us last week, you heard a lot about sin. Yeah. But we're going to stay there. And this week we're really going to talk about the the progression of sin, how we get there and how we get to a place, to places of strongholds and bondages. Amen. And, uh, you know, just let me say another clarification that the three levels of tests are something that could be progressive, like you overcome one level and then you get into the second level and the third level, or they can be going on simultaneously. And they're also important because if you don't have the right, uh, without knowledge, my people perish, then Matthew 13 says many fall away because of trial and testing. And the word is clear that in this world, you'll have trial and tribulation, John 16, 33, like we said last time, but Jesus speaking, um, be of good cheer because I've over, I've voided it of its ability to harm you. So that's what we're trying to do. And like you're saying, we talked about sin, the less the flesh, less the eye, the boastful part of life. We talked about we're all sinners saved by grace. We talked about Satan is always trying to get us to sin, to serve him. We talked about the fact that the blood never loses its power, that if you're contrite, and you confess your sins, the word says Jesus is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you're contrite, that's really the key. Um, and we talked about that this can be a progression um, briefly. But as you said, we want to talk about why in the 21st century particularly, Christians are more vulnerable to the strategies of the enemy and then how that progression goes from temptation to a stronghold. So talk with me a little bit, and you're very well versed on this because you've been healed yourself. Right. You've been wounded yourself. Absolutely. You've been part of this ministry. You've uh, definitely uh, been part of the book production, reading, and and teaching. Um, And this is what I've come to understand from my own life. Though I was a born-again Christian at eight in a very um, meaningful, heart-changing salvation experience with my mother, who was an ordained minister at the time as well. Um, I was saved. I was filled with the Spirit. I was in church all my life, even though I had a very dysfunctional childhood, and I've explained that in the book and on podcast. Um, And I knew that sin was not what I wanted to choose because we have free will, right? Right. We can choose to be obedient or we can choose to sin. When we sin, which the Bible says, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar, We should be clearly in tune with the Holy Spirit. He's a perfect gentleman, but he'll also convict you. Right. And the Bible says to examine your heart. We had communion yesterday at church. We're supposed to examine our heart. So the Lord doesn't have to 
hit us with a brick over the head. If we're actually willfully sinning, it should shouldn't be that way, right? Right. Conviction comes in, and we said this last week. Mm-hmm. I have was actually on the phone with a dear friend. I'm going to give a shout out to her, Rachel. Very good. <laughs> she was one of my roommates from college. Just precious friend. One of those friends I can call and just is going to have a wealth of the word, Amen. and we can just pray together, talk about Jesus together. It's Love fantastic it. friendship. Yeah. I was talking to her just about 45 minutes ago. Yeah. And she said, I listened to your show last week, which she's a faithful listener to our podcast. Thank you, Rachel. (laughs) But she said, when we said conviction is a gift, that really struck her Uh because she hasn't really thought of it necessarily as a gift that much. Now she's starting to really realize what a gift it is. She's always had a conviction. Yeah. But just the idea that it's a gift. Yeah. And what do you have to do with a gift? A gift sitting in front of you. For it to be yours, you actually have to take it. Yes. So we have to receive this gift of conviction and use it for our good. It is a gift from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit, so that we can stay in communion with him. Yeah. So that what we don't go off on a path, a dark path of sin, and then what we're going to talk about today, strongholds and more wounding because of our sin, because we're going to get convicted and we're not we're not going to lead a life of practicing sin. Right. We're going to still be sinners. Right. But that conviction is going to come in and it's going to stop us from leading a life of practicing sin. Amen. And the reason why it's a gift Think of your children. It's hard to discipline them. It's hard to help them choose the right way, but that's your job as their parents. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. But it's also very difficult sometimes for the child to see it as a gift. Because if you have to discipline them with spanking or take some privileges away, that doesn't feel very good. Right. But it's a gift because if they choose to continue in the disobedience, you're training them to listen to your voice first as a conduit to hearing the voice of God and to respond to God and the Holy Spirit immediately in obedience because God cannot bless disobedience. Right. So it's the same analogy. It's very difficult and they don't seem like it's a gift. See, see it as a gift sometime when it's happening. And yet it brings the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Right. And that's the same with us. Our heavenly father who is, has a mother and father heart. He disciplines those he loves. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about in the second level. We're not there today. Sometimes people don't see discipline Uh, in the same way, again, as a gift, and they don't see it from a loving Heavenly Father because they've had maybe a really evil, mean father, and they're looking at God through dad-colored glasses. But nonetheless, like you just said, it is a gift because if you're convicted and you repent, he'll cleanse you, you realize the value of the blood and the price he paid, and then you'll be free it's important to be saved, but free. That's, That's the name right. of my book. <laughs> Sounds right? familiar. <laughs> saved, but not free, right? Because Satan wants to put you in bondage and make you think in a sleazy grace that you can gloss over disobedience and sin, and you cannot because the wages of sin is death. And it will manifest worse and worse the more sin that you practice without repentance. Eventually, even though you may think you're getting away with it, if you're convicted and you deny the conviction, don't do that. Because then you get a seared conscience and the the Holy Spirit quits trying to convict you because it's not going anywhere. What a terrible state of affairs that David lamented on in Psalm 51 that we talked about last time, right? Well, and I just thought about how sometimes we can think if the people around us 
maybe don't think what we did was that bad. Yeah. We'll use them yes. as our measure of conviction. Oh, yeah. Instead of using the Holy Spirit. That's it. So just be careful. Yeah. Who you're hanging out with, the yeah. people you're being influenced by. Right. What kind of measure are they being for you? Because yeah. in the nation we live in right now, it's being kind of taken down right now by people's own ideas, right. own beliefs, right. um, own ideas of what sin even is, mm-hmm. what is good, what is bad. Yeah. So if you're looking to people to be your measure of conviction, you're probably going to be practicing sin. And that's called relative morality. Right. And humanism. In other words, if it's relative to somebody else, if it feels bad to them, it's okay, I won't do it, but it might feel bad. And there is no relative morality. The word of God is the standard. That's right. Jesus Christ is the standard, not other people. And that's where each generation gets farther and farther away from truth and obedience because humanism, the definition of humanism is man setting the principles of how to live by and man um, settling or solving man's problems. If you leave God out of the equation, humanism, the human being is on the throne of their heart, right? Rather than being totally surrendered to Jesus as Lord, you will get in a bunch of trouble very quickly. And like you're saying, you know, people say, well, my friends are doing, I mean, your kids will even try that on you. Well, mommy and daddy, might so-and-so did that, probably not, maybe not yours yet, but maybe when they get older, I should be able to do it too, or maybe they have. No, we have a, we have a deeper conviction and standard than maybe those people, even that are Christians in the world. And that's hard. That's right. Because you're hard. teaching them to be different. You're teaching them to be really strong as standing alone right. sometimes, and that's not easy. It's not easy. No, it's, it's not, not fun a lot of times. No, it isn't. It's not fun for us or them, you know. So, But what we want to talk about today more, again, is how you get vulnerable to sin as a Christian. And this is kind of like the theme and, and foundation of our ministry. Uh, we have realized with the breakdown of the home, church, and school, and not building a strong foundation— because the Bible says, like we said last time, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the people do in Proverbs eleven three, The foundations have to be rebuilt. And we're seeing a real analogy that, to this because my husband, your dad, and, and the kids, Poppy, is actually working at Hurricane Michael in a um, evaluation of estimation for insurance companies, not a first responder. But going into this terrible destruction at the epicenter of this hurricane, and of course, all these buildings, commercial and residential, have to be estimated and money's given and they have to be rebuilt. Uh, if the foundations were not very built very well in those buildings, if inferior materials were used, and that was a prophecy over us one time, if you build a house, don't build it with inferior materials because when the winds and rains come, it'll fall. Likewise, build my body in quality. Because if, if the heart is broken, if the soul is wounded, when the winds and rains of life and trials and tribulations that we are going to bear because we're in the world but not of the world, but still Satan is alive and well till he's bound forever, then you will not stand and you will be confused and the enemy might actually tempt you to sin. And this is what happens. Uh, you know, the best analogy I can give is if you have a broken leg or a really bad wound and you don't disinfect it and stitch it up, physically, you're going to be focused on that wound. And you can't function in your job. You maybe can't go to work. You can't walk or whatever the damage is until that is treated by a doctor, healed, which takes a process. 
And as we've said many times, you can see broken bones or wounds in our physical body, but we can't see wounded souls and broken hearts. Right. Nonetheless, they're there. And when they're there, if they're not healed and disinfected, then the enemy comes in and he attacks you just like germs and bacteria would get in a physical wound that was left open if it wasn't bandaged. There are spiritual germs and bacteria. They're called a third of the angels that fell with Satan. Second Timothy 1.7 says God has not given us a spirit of fear. If you're walking and you can't overcome fear and anxiety, anger, the, the works of the flesh, if they have you rather than you're overcoming them, then you might have walked in them and developed a stronghold. And the reason for that might be because you're reacting because somebody triggers or pokes your inside wound that you cannot see. They might reject you. They might um, say something that's not true about you. They may, um, you know, betray you. And we're going to talk more about that in the third level when you're dealing with relationships. All that can potentially trigger something that happened to you in the past that was rejecting. We define rejection as not getting the love you need in the way you needed it, from whom you needed it at the time you needed it. And in your uh, building foundations of the homeschool and church, if you have a steady diet of rejection, knowingly or unknowingly, because parents usually are hurt, hurt people, hurt people, then you can come into your adult life wounded. You look beautiful on the outside. You might be a Christian. You might be serving the church. You might be spirit-filled. But inside, your soul and your heart's broken, so you're more vulnerable to Satan's temptations to self-medicate. Why? Because you're in pain, and you want to be comforted, and you want to feel good, even if it means getting drunk, doing drugs, having illicit sexual affairs, doing pornography. And for the moment, it seems pleasurable, but Again, Satan, my pastor said one time in New York, Satan tempts you to sin, never shows you the consequences, and then beats you over the head because you do. Well, and sin will always have a moment of pleasure. Yeah. If it didn't, absolutely, no one would sin. That's right. Because that's what you're looking for. You're that's looking right. for something when you're sinning, usually. Yes. You're looking to fill a void. You're looking yes. to feel better. Right. So you turn to something that's not of God for a yeah. moment. Yeah. And for a moment, mm-hmm. a very short moment, you will feel some sort of pleasure. Yes. But it comes with a high cost. Right. Of being separated from the Father, which is the worst cost of all you have to pay. But then it's going to affect other people. Absolutely. It, sin never just affects you. No. It affects a ton of people. I'm reading a book right now right now, called Culture of Honor by Danny Silk. And he is a pastor out of Bethel Church in California. And he's giving a testimony in the first chapter of his book of a couple who was in some sin. And they come to him and they do repent. But he said to them, you are like a paint can. And you came into a room and you threw your paint can down and it splattered everywhere. And you have now a mess to clean up. Mm. How are you going to clean it up? Who are you going to go to that has been affected? And do you know the woman was p- pretty hard in this situation? She was pretty, um, had had some walls up still. And she didn't think she needed to go confess to some people yeah. because she said, I don't really think this sin of mine affects that person. Right. And Danny said to her, no, you don't understand. Yeah. This sin that you've caused affects so many people. Yeah. And you have got to go clean this up with every person that has been affected by your sin. Well, it reminds me of that scripture, a little leaven leavens the whole or affects the whole loaf. Right. And it's talking about the analogy of bread. And really, 
Each one of us in our relationship with the Lord, in our immediate families, in our marriage, uh, what we bring into the church because we are the church. And by the way, Pastor Robert Morris preached the best sermon I've ever heard on marriage yesterday. Go to gatewaypeople.com. That sermon, best one I've ever heard on marriage and the covenant and all the effect. But if we all realized as members of the body of Christ that unrepented sin not only weakens us, it affects the whole body. It does. And I think that's one of the reasons the church isn't walking in the miracles and the things of the first century church. Because, you know, Peter's shadow, he just walked by people and they were healed. And so I think we really need to get a hold of this thing, of the strategy of the enemy, of why he wants us to choose sin, then why he wants us not to repent. And like you said, we think, oh, well, nobody's going to know this. Yes, they are. And besides, if nobody did know it, God knows it. And that's who you're going to stand before one day. But more importantly, it is affecting other people, but it's so subtle and powerful. Satan doesn't want you to even be aware of it. And, you know, I've said to many, many couples, don't be condemned. Never be condemned. There's no condemnation to them that walk after the Spirit if you have understood that you're righteous, imputed by Christ as a gift, and then you're pursuing righteousness. Don't be condemned. At the same time, understand that if you choose Satan's way, it is going to, like you just said, affect you and affect other people. And that's why the Bible's so clear about what do you do if you offended somebody? You leave your gift at the altar, you go and you make it straight. And these actions of the part, fact that we're all united, we're one in a marriage, we're one with our husbands or wives, that unity, God commands a blessing. There's great power. There's nobody that's one except Jesus prayed that let us, let them be one as I and you, Father, are one that you're one with except your spouse. That is tremendous power. And so if you don't get that, and in marriages, there's just so much sinning against each other in the way we treat each other and the way we respect each other and worse, having, you know, illicit affairs in our fantasies or in actual adultery, and nobody knows it. And my wife or husband doesn't know it. Yes, they will, or they do. And if they don't, the impact will be just as bad because the church, Robert said yesterday, Pastor Robert, the marriage should be the example of Christ in the church. Man, what a responsibility. Absolutely. What a responsibility. And so what I'm trying to say today or what we're trying to say is that if you've been wounded and hurt, there's a process to be healed. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted and set at liberty those that are bound. The process is laid out in Save But Not Free. There are steps to healing. You can listen to it on the podcast. You can listen to it on the radio show. You can go to uh, totallytransformradio.com. There's other books written on healing. Don't stay hurt because you're more vulnerable. Just like you wouldn't stay broken with a broken arm, you'd go to the doctor. Right. Don't go to the doctor. And this is here's my criteria. If you have a pain that doesn't go away, you go to the physical doctor and find out about it. If you have a reaction that you're not dealing with, fear, anger, resentment, bitterness, anger, I said anger, I mean anything that's in the flesh, fruit of the flesh, more emotion than the situation calls for and you're not handling it, find spiritual or maybe professional help that is spiritual that can give you a spiritual, mental, psychological, physical, emotional perspective so that you can get healed and set free. Because otherwise, you're going to be more vulnerable to the enemy. And we see it 
Pastor Robert said a percentage, 66% of the marriages now, I think, end in divorce. It used to be 32%, uh, maybe 30, 40 years ago. I don't have the exact number there, but that's close enough. And all I'm telling you is that the outworking of not being the example of marriages in the body of Christ, which is a large responsibility, and the balance is there. Nobody's perfect but Jesus. We want to be excellent. We don't have to be perfect, but we just have to be honest before him and other people. If we have not been what we should be and we've missed it, and that is good for the soul. That's healing. Confession is healing. It is. And that's what, exactly what I was about to say. Okay. Back on confession. Okay. We had said that conviction is a gift. Yeah. Well, I think confession is just as much of a gift yes. if you'll use it. Yes. Because the word says that if we'll confess to one another, we will be healed. Yeah. So healing comes. That's really the gift is the healing. And it comes through confession. Yes. So just today, I had to tell Lance, my husband, that I've just been having a hard time getting in the word the uh-huh. last few days uh-huh. and really dwelling with the Father. But what I've realized is I've just, in some some days, not every day of the week, but some days I just haven't felt like being with the Lord. Yeah. Now, he's the only one who's going to bring healing to me. Right. He's the only one who's going to bring his truth to me. So then when I do spend time with him, I get his truth and I get his healing. Right. But I was telling Lance this because I wanted to confess that. I didn't want to stay in the dark like I've been spending time with Jesus every single day for two hours a day these last four weeks that we've been dealing with a really hard situation. Right. There's been some hard days for me. Yeah. And I confess that to my husband. Now, was that sin that I wasn't spending time with the Lord? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But I knew it didn't feel right. Yeah. I knew it wasn't good for me not to be really diving in with the Father and worshiping Him and praising Him and reading His Word. And I've done some of that, but I've just kind of been stopping myself because I've just been hurt. Yeah. And I don't know why we don't go to the Father when we're hurt, but sometimes we don't. (laughs) And so I've just been kind of going throughout my day for the last couple of days, not really spending time with the Lord. And I just felt the need to share that with my husband, to confess that to him. And man, he brought some great perspective to me. He really helped me with how I was perceiving a situation and he brought some clarity to mind. And so for me, I started feeling light Amen. and I started feeling just better inside. Praise the Lord. And on the way over here, I was just praising God and I was praying about this show and I was just really dwelling with the father. Yeah. And it began by confessing something to my husband that I knew just didn't feel right. And I knew really wasn't right. And I needed to bring it to the light. Yes. And that's what confession does. Right. It brings things into the light. So we're not living in the dark. And when light is shining, the dark can't exist. And that's what the marital relationship and other close relationships in the body of Christ should be about. But you're absolutely right. Your secrets become your sicknesses. Satan loves it when you feel ashamed or guilty, which you should never feel convicted. None of us are perfect. And I would say you were dealing with a temptation there and also dealing with a hurt. And here's the temptation and the hurt to uh, not go to the Father for comfort or the Godhead for comfort, to, um, you know, go to something else. And, you know, you have to not get to condemnation. You have to be kind to yourself because when you're hurt, you have to navigate that. You know, it is a process. And, you know, you're thinking about a lot of things. There's a lot on your mind. You might be distracted in processing it. But what you came to very quickly is, look, 
I don't feel quite as connected. I don't feel like I want to go there. I want to confess that and get that settled. And this is what we're going to talk about next. When you're hurt, the enemy can tempt you more easily because you're navigating a lot of emotion. You're, lav- you're navigating a lot of facts. In your case, uh, we're going to talk about that again on the third level of trial, betrayal and shock. And w- am I doing the right thing? Am I saying the right thing? Am I thinking the right thing? What is my responsibility? What happened? How could this be? So, I mean, again, we are human. And we can't just be in condemnation, but you absolutely did the right thing because now you, I'll tell you why you know, because the burden was lifted, the, the wisdom was given by your spouse, you felt lighter, you felt more in relationships. So what I want our listeners to know is that first of all, if you're wounded, take care of it. Don't let it go into um, what we're going to talk about right now without letting someone else help you and without going to the Lord eventually because the temptation then, temptation is not sin. Between your head and your heart is your mouth. If you're tempted to sin against God's word, you can use the word like flee youthful lust, you know, or I'm going to confess this to my husband because he's faithful and just to Uh, forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness or give me clarity. You're using the word, okay, which is Jesus, right? Right. Okay, so then it never turned because of your mouth being given to truth against the temptation. And, you know, I'd even go the next step to the five R's, binding the enemy. Right. Come against the enemy with lies that God is far from me or the heaven is steel or he's not um, proud of me or he maybe is unhappy with something because that's where we go to. That's where the enemy wants us to go. So we feel that our father who said he never leave us or forsake us and he never stopped loving us. And then sometimes the enemy condemns us that we did something wrong when we did not Right. You know, and then we're all navigating all that. So deal with the temptation as you're saying, because if you don't, then the temptation goes full blown and you might sin. You know, in your example, you might just continue to stay away from a relationship, continue to stay away from the word. And then in time, you know, that bears more negative fruit. And then what happens is the third step is you go into a stronghold. What is a stronghold? Second Corinthians 10, three through five says the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. A stronghold is something that has a stronghold on you. It's not so easy to confess it. It's not so easy to get back into the rhythm of being in the word and prayer and the presence of the Lord because it's been such a long time in daily choices because you were Satan tempted you with how he did. And so then it goes on to say, but take your thoughts captive in obedience to Christ, punishing every disobedience with obedience. So a stronghold, then as we teach in this ministry and in my book, That's not difficult to break either. I just said it. The weapons of our warfare, the word, I come against you, Satan, in the name of Jesus, in this word that says, I don't have to have anxiety or I don't have to feel distant from the Lord. He'll never leave me or forsake me. And I can recognize that wrong thought. I can rebuke you in the name of Jesus. According to James one, I can resist the, the appropriate spirit of whatever that is, you know, confusion, distance, whatever, recite God's word and rejoice. And then that stronghold can be broken. Now, what happens if you continue in that stronghold? You continue to resist the Holy Spirit. 
Well, that's why Jesus came. Luke 4, uh, fulfillment of Isaiah 61, 1 through 4. I've came to heal the brokenhearted, set at liberty those that are bound. But Julie, he gives everybody free will. He does. And if you taste that pleasure of sin and you keep going in the disobedience, then finally you get to what the Bible calls a seared conscience, maybe a reprobate mind. You don't care anymore. Right. And you get so comfortable. That's right. In that sin. That's and right. And in that new lifestyle that that's you've created right. for yourself. Yeah. And it can feel pretty hopeless. It can. But it's never hopeless with yeah. Jesus. But it can definitely feel that way. And that's what Satan wants you to think, that if you've fallen so deep and you're in such deep sin that you'll never get out. So why even try? Right. You know, that's those are the words of Satan. But Jesus says, I've come to heal you. I've yeah. come to heal your broken heart, redeem you. Yes. And I am victorious. So therefore, you too can be victorious. Right. So you have to choose, though, who are you going to listen to? You're going to yeah. listen to Satan. You're going to listen to Jesus. That's right. Because he says in Psalm, I think it's 43, maybe seven. He picks me up out of the miry clay. He sets my feet on the rock to stay. And Corey Ten Boom said, there's no pit so deep that God's not deeper still. But here's the problem. Let's just take some examples. You start doing drugs, which that could be alcohol, could be smoking, it could be anything. You start doing drugs. That, for a moment, gives you a euphoria to make you forget everything. But then you come down off that high. And then you go, well, wait a minute. If you're a Christian, I didn't turn to Jesus. I didn't turn to the comfort of the Holy Spirit that was sent to be sent from Jesus when he died and rose again to us to be our comforter, our guide, our helper, our director, wisdom. I didn't turn to that. But wait, that high through alcohol, that buzz, that lack of inhibition or through drugs felt so good. That's so much easier. It feels so much easier. Or let's say that you um, are having a troubled marriage and you're not connecting well, which, by the way, it takes the same type of discipline to stay in tune with the Lord. Don't neglect that daily intimacy with him as with him as in a marriage. Right. If you don't ever talk, if you don't communicate, if you don't go on dates, if you don't celebrate your anniversary like you guys are going to do tonight. Congratulations, by the way. Eight years. Eight years. Congratulations. If you don't do the romance of what you were experiencing when you first fell in love, because you can go from that wonderful romance and joy to somewhat of disillusionment. All marriages have conflicts. You are fully revealed to each other to each other in a marriage. But when you go through and work through your weaknesses and grow in Christ together, then you'll have a recovered maturity and and joy that will be much greater than even the initial love. Right. I mean, I know you say this, I say it too. I I didn't think I could love Bill any more than I do after 46 years of marriage, but I really love him right now because first of all, he's gone. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Makes the heart grow fonder, but it's that type of growth the Lord will continue to give you if you don't get disillusioned and go to divorce and think the, gra- the grass is greener on the other side. It's never greener. No, but if you do and you're not getting along in the marriage and you don't do the right thing and get counsel and press into the Lord and press into each other, then you might find somebody that feels like that first romantic relationship. They haven't lived in all areas of seeing you when you wake up in the morning and in your bad <laughs> times and all that. They're looking good at the office and they may be a little bit younger and uh, they seem a little bit more attractive and, oh, they can talk to me and understand me and they don't tell me where I'm out of joint, so to speak, and that type of thing. And then that emotional fear slips into a physical affair and before you know it, 
you're in bondage and maybe in love. Right. And then the enemy confuses you because a double-minded man is confused in all of his ways. And then it's harder, much harder to give that new thing up, to give that new experience and sex up, to then back up and repent. It can be done, but it's so much harder because you didn't do it right at the beginning, like you explained with your example in the temptation. Right. Temptation is not sin. So that's the progression of sin. That's also one of the main things we're dealing with now in the church because we've never had such a, a huge time in this country or really in church history of such immorality. We've had the different levels of immorality, but we've also now had the breakdown of so much that's going on in a Christian nation. Um, and history is marching on. And this country was founded as one nation under God. And we've lost that and taken it prayer and Bible reading out of the foundational school. So many churches are not preaching the word or the truth or part of it. And then, as we've just explained, the homes are so ravished by sin and temptation or temptation that turns into sin. The children are growing up in broken environments and a broken foundation. And many of them land, praise God, in our ministry or in our offices here. Praise God that he's equipping people to help people and to restore them in a spirit of gentleness if they'll repent. But sometimes their will is so frozen in hurt and willful sin that they don't choose to repent. Right. And they, worse, they think they're getting away with it. Right. So that is another application of how you might be dealing with sin as a Christian, how you got into it, how you can get out of it, and a clarification on the progression so that you don't fall prey to the strategies of the enemy. And he wants you to fall prey. If you choose to sin, then you've just entered under his umbrella. One person explained it. You're either under the umbrella protection of the Godhead by your choices and your obedience, or you're under the umbrella of Satan. Nobody forces you to allow Satan in. God said nobody can say that when they're tempted, they're tempted by me. And when you're tempted, like you said last week, what's that scripture? You memorized it. He'll give you the grace He'll provide a way out yeah. when you are tempted Correct. every time. Correct. And so, but if you don't obtain it, Hebrews 12 says, do not fail to obtain grace. The ability to do in the supernatural what you can't do in the natural is how I define it. Lest a root of bitterness will rise up and defile many. And then people start blaming God. Right. My life is spinning out of control. It's God's fault. No, it isn't. He did all he could do. Right. We blame God when we should be blaming Satan. Correct. In our own choices. That's right. And, you know, what else do you want him to do? He created you, created the world. He chose through the whole Testament to show you the the outworking of sin. Then he gave the spotless lamb of Jesus. He, He saw him die, be crucified, a heinous death. And he is yours today. But you must choose him. That's right. It's just one choice. Yep. It's the most important one, isn't it? It is. Yeah, first and foremost. So, Well, very good. Well, we're going to end in prayer today. Okay. And um, thank you for being with us. Again, we will be back next week for part three of the six-part series. We will be talking about how to navigate things that seem negative in our lives, things from trials to discipline to persecution and how we can overcome those things and and, uh, become fruitful. Be the fruit we're supposed to be. If you don't have the right attitude as a Christian— that you're promised trial, tribulation, persecution, and discipline, but it's all for your good for you to come out 
better, then you could lose out with the Lord, as the word says. So please come back to hear that uh, podcast. That will also be two podcasts on that. And then there'll be two podcasts on the third level. That's right. All right. Well, let's pray us out. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. And we thank you, God, for your truth, for your word. We thank you that you have never left us. You never forsake us, that you you, call us children. You call us righteous and we only can be righteous because of you, Jesus. And so we thank you. We thank you, Father God, that you know that we are sinners for your word says for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But you, Lord, have made a way through your son, Jesus, so that we can be in complete communion with you, Father God. So thank you. We pray for anyone listening today that your presence would dwell upon them, Holy Spirit. We pray that if there's any sin, if there's any practicing sin out there in any of our listeners, that conviction would come, Holy Spirit, and that they would stop in Jesus' name. That confession would happen. And through confession, healing would take place. And we thank you, Jesus, that you are our healer. That there's no one we run to but to you to get our healing. So I pray, Father God, that people today would open up the word, would let the word penetrate their hearts, souls, hearts and souls, and that you would do a work, Father God. And we thank you for this word. We pray it would go out and it would minister to whoever you want it to minister to your sons and your daughters. In Jesus name, we pray it would be received and it would do a work, Father God. In Jesus name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. Come back with us next week.